0: All right, y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Good Newscast. As always, great to be with you. My name is Colin Coates here with Jeff Hatton. Colin. Uh, as we, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to cover today's spiritual gifts. So we are, uh, I think we started maybe with one episode. Maybe we've dropped two. I think just one. We are in kind of the middle of a podcast series on talking about common ways that we try to justify ourselves, that Christians are tempted to try to justify themselves before God, or I could say make ourselves acceptable to God to try to secure his acceptance, and also ways that we try to sanctify ourselves, ways that we try to grow ourselves uh, apart from uh, relying on God's grace and power alone to sanctify ourselves. We're hitting the pause button because last night, we're recording this on a Thursday. This will probably go out today or tomorrow. But on Wednesday night, we had what we call theology after dark, where we have tried to pick topics that are of a lot of interest to your average Christian, your average churchgoer, at least in our world in Waco. We've tried to pick topics um, that are of great interest and bring in someone who disagrees with us in some form or fashion. And we let them speak for about 20, 30 minutes, and then afterwards we present our position. So uh, Jeff's been presenting our position. So we've done things like infant baptism, brought in a Baptist who does not baptize babies, Let them make their argument of why, and then we make our argument that we do this because to understand a theological position or idea, it gets even more clear when you understand how someone disagrees with you. So that's why we're doing it, to say, hey, there's differing views in the Christian world on this topic, and it's only going to help you understand our position better if you can understand how someone maybe disagrees with us. So we did one on spiritual gifts, Are what are spiritual gifts, are they for today, and in particular, we were focused on the controversial gifts of the gift of miracles, prophecy, and tongues, and so that's really what the, the night was about. Are these gifts, what are these gifts, and are they still being given out? We had Drew Stedman come over from Antioch here in Waco, that is a charismatic church non-denominational, I'm pretty sure, Mm non-denominational charismatic church here in Waco. And he did a phenomenal job. uh, Incredible. Explaining his view, which I'm sure is very representative of Antioch's view and and what I know experientially uh, in the charismatic world, did a phenomenal job explaining his view, where he gets his view on the, the spiritual gifts, especially kind of those three that I mentioned, where he gets them from the scriptures, uh, so I, I greatly respected him, uh, thought he did an incredible job, not only just a very clear communicator, but like I said, he wanted to show us in the Bible where he got his view from. Yeah. Um, and I most appreciated and respected the fact that he knew and taught that the spiritual gifts are ultimately about the glory of God. They're about us serving one another, building up the church, And ultimately, it's all about Jesus at the end of the day. Um, He was just so clear on that. And so we had just incredible, solid ground, common ground there. Um, So Drew spoke, you spoke. Yeah. Let's get into it. Spiritual gifts um, for those maybe who weren't there, but we can also kind of get into some extra stuff as well. Uh, What are spiritual gifts? Jeff.
1: Okay. So um, yeah, what are spiritual gifts? Uh, there seems to be um, a cluster. Well, let's just start this way. Everybody believes that uh, we can affirm, and he did, we did, we do. We affirm that God gives spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts uh, to the church uh, and to believers. Um, so that, that was clear. So where, where then is the controversy? Well, it comes in with, well, how long is your list and how short is your list? And usually if you have a longer list, you're going to probably have more of the controversial gifts, which we talked about Mm -hmm. and which we address. So uh, there's these gifts that surround, they're called revelatory gifts. They kind of surround the scripture, but they surround the scripture in an extra biblical way, Um, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, even apostleship, and So it's just trying to pin down what exactly that means, and that's what was so great to have him come in here and to talk a little bit about that. But generally, the idea on the revelatory gifts is that you have the Bible uh, as divine revelation, but then God also gives a gift uh, of revelation that could some notion of extra-biblical revelation that continues today, whether, again, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy. Loved, loved how Drew handled that. He actually handled it in a way when he gave examples. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we we get that. God works deeply personally in our lives and uh, moves us in deeply personal ways. Um, And I think there's going to be a theme here in a second once we talk about the other other ones that uh, where the distinction is. So there's those revelatory gifts. There's the gift of tongues. Uh, There's the gift of uh, miracles and healing. Uh, Basically, the difference seemed to be, uh, at least on our part, that we understood it and even drew as he was communicating it. And so there was a lot of overlap and a lot of affirmation, but it came down to, yes, uh, our tradition, we believe the Bible that God does miracles, that God heals, um, and that when the Bible was being written, uh, whether in the in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, uh, there were revelatory gifts highlighting these revelatory agents that they are agents from God in scripture in the scriptures. Our differences were um, whether there's now a gift. Mm -hmm. of healing, and a gift of miracles that's given to individuals on a more Mm on-demand route. And Drew, to his credit, was like, yeah, I don't know about that Mm on-demand route, um, that pattern, but there seems to be some people that seem to exercise, Mm -hmm. or God uses to exercise healing or Uh, miracles, or uh, those revelatory gifts a little more than maybe others. One person might be batting, you know, 500, and you're batting, you know,
0: 150. Um, In in that world, what that can look like, because I've been there, understand it, is certain people will kind of be known in the church as like, um, he seems to get, you know, uh, like prophetic words a lot more often than another person, or when this guy or gal prays for sick people more often than others, they are healed. And so that's how Drew explained that gift is that's what we're saying. If someone has the gift of miracles, prophecy, um, tongues kind of self-explanatory that, uh, that, yeah, it's like, it seems to, to happen through them more so than other people.
1: Yeah. So in our tradition, we're like, of of course God heals. And of course God does miracles. And we even uh, talked about that. We talked about a major uh, incident here where someone had uh, bleeding on the brain and, and it did not look good. In fact, mm-hmm. it looked absolutely doom for mm-hmm. this particular person. And, and the leadership of the church went into the hospital and anointed him with oil and prayed. And uh, even as we were praying, we could sense, the leaders could sense that something uh, extraordinary was happening. Uh, and by the time we even said goodbye to the family and were out the door, we were being called that he is stirring and coming to. Uh, and the doctors and the nurses and everyone on that floor, it, it was known that God had just done something. Mm-hmm. God had just healed him. Um, so, again, from our perspective, uh, God Certainly heals and mm-hmm. God certainly does miracles and does extraordinary things. Again, for us, it's more quantifying it and qualifying it in, sen- in the sense that there is a gift of healing that's given to an individual and he exercises it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the difference, uh, one of the major differences. Yeah.
0: So, why do you, and I can, I'll, I'll speak on this too a little bit, but why do you, why do we in our tradition, You know, um, I asked this to you last night because Drew, you know, reads through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. And the assumption there is just like everything we see and read here, every single gift, prophecy, tongues, like it's all going on. Why are we uh, saying, I don't know if a couple of these gifts are being given out.
1: great. Great question. And here's the way I, what's been helpful to me. If I was to say what biblical theological ideas, big ideas are helpful to, it would be these um one is just even the nature of the bible uh what is the bible mm-hmm. uh one it's it's redemptive events that happened in history and there are god's divinely appointed uh, agents that inscripturated those events in other words they tell us what the meaning is so you and i were not uh around uh we don't get to determine what the parting of the red sea meant we don't get to determine. What Jesus' death meant, uh, his life, his resurrection, his ascension or Pentecost. Um, these are historical events, Israel's history, you know, David killing Goliath. Uh, those events, those redemptive events, had messages and they were inscripturated. So the Bible is a highly selective theological history. It's not Unger's exhaustive history of the world. Uh, it is highly selective for redemptive purposes. Um. So, it seems that uh, when the Bible, those events are happening, uh, like highly selective redemptive events in history, salvation history, when they're happening, uh, there seems to have been signs and wonders and there were gifts that these agents, that you and I are not those agents, we did not write the scriptures, we, we are not even Moses, when he got the Ten Commandments. To actually read Moses and go put yourself, you know, you read the story of Moses on the Mount Sinai and to immediately go from the text to you would be an inappropriate appropriation of that text, a misreading of that text. Moses is functioning as a redemptive agent at that time in salvation history. You are not. I am not. So given that uniqueness of the Bible and its redemptive events, culminating into the story, the the awesome, incredible story of Jesus and his salvation, um, there seems to be a lot that surrounded those events and a lot that surrounded the people that were inscripturating those events. Mm. So at the apostles' time, we're still, in Corinthians, we're still, the apostles are still around. Um, yeah. It would seem to me if the Bible... Um, if Paul is encouraging the generation that's coming after him, the Timothys, uh, and and really us, if all these signs and wonders and gifts were happening in Timothy's generation, uh, after the inscripturation and the canonization of the scriptures, after the foundation of the prophets and the apostles, then. I think you have some real solid ground to make a connection between this and that. Mm -hmm. But right now we, we are not, we are not, uh, that generation. It's more like, this is like that, Mm -hmm. not this is that. And so when I look at the gifts that surrounded, we're around the time of the apostles, I'm thinking gifts today are like that, not that this is that. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: to give an example here, because yeah. I, I think that this is a huge way of understanding the Bible and and even just history and God at work in history that is missing in a lot of evangelicalism. Um, uh, and, and what I mean by that is like, we will read the Bible and kind of always take everything as, as simultaneously descriptive and prescriptive. So we were just talking about this before we recorded, um, listening to someone talk about Manna being given to Israel and that being compared to like having a job today and and how much money you should save and how full your pantry should be. So what I mean is we'll read this descriptive event and then just kind of hop, skip and a jump and say, this is also describing how my life should be. And it's also maybe even prescribing something for me. But the reality is we all know that that's not how the Bible works. Um, There was only one parting of the Red Sea. So if you read that as descriptive and prescriptive, then you're going to be like, oh man, I've never walked through a a sea being parted. Maybe I'm not like a high level Christian. My staff. I like the staff. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, exactly. So um, we have to, I think that that mindset, we have to understand that with the the new Testament too, this is what I mean. I use this example a lot when talking about spiritual gifts and especially miracles, Peter in acts, uh, what is it? Is it acts three or four, whatever. Um, uh, there's a guy who I think can't walk. And Peter says something to the effect of like, you know, gold and silver, I don't have, but what I do have, I give to you stand up and walk. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, as far as I know, most people, even thoughtful, really thoughtful charismatics, like a Drew Stedman, is not going to say, yeah, like we have this guy, Tom at our church and he walks around and does that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Most of the time, even with the most like aggressive, this guy has the gift of miracles. Most of the time it's like, so have him come pray for you. Yeah. Here's the point I'm trying to make. We know that there was something going on special with the apostles in the apostolic era, meaning uh, Pentecost is not this uh, repeatable event. This is a special era where Jesus ascends. Era may not be the right word, but you get my point. Yeah. Um, it is this big movement in history, in redemptive mm-hmm. history, where Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit is given out uh, unlike any other time in the history of the world Yeah. Um, at, at Pentecost. And then you have this the, these special dudes, this special office given to guys like Peter and Paul to the point that Peter somehow knew that he could go, what I do have, I give to you, get up, right? Yeah. And so my point is, we all, we know, like when we read that, most of us don't go, I think I'm gonna go try that, you know? Um, We know that there are things happening. You have an ax where, is it Philip um, uh, talks with the guy uh, about Isaiah, and then I think it says, and then Philip just like disappeared, right? He like transports somewhere else. Right. But even the most wild, charismatic ones among us aren't like, well, hopefully that, you know, happens to me. We just, we, we read acts and we go, there is something unique happening in this redemptive turn in history. Yeah. So the reason I'm trying to spell that out and, and here's even a verse um, that is helpful to me in understanding this and why we would say, Hey, I think something has changed with the gifts. We, we believe in spiritual gifts. We believe they're given out. I think that some of them were unique to the apostolic era I think that the whole, what I do have and give to you, get up and walk kind of gift was unique to the apostolic era. Um, as the gospel is going out, as the scriptures aren't written yet, the church is is in the process of being established. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2 Corinthians, where Paul you know, would have to defend his uh, his apostleship and things like that. One thing he says is, is really interesting uh, in Second Corinthians, uh, where are we at? 12, 12, I think. Uh, The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. I think that verse there is saying, hey, there's this apostolic era and there's these apostolic signs to affirm what they're saying. Um, And so Paul saying those things were performed among you. You know, you saw all the things that we are true apostles preaching God's word in the fullness of the gospel. But we also know that that apostolic era has closed out, that the church was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The foundation's not still being built on apostles and prophets. That's done.
1: Yeah, that foundation's the scriptures.
0: And I think that those signs, particularly those gift, those sign gifts also closed out with them. And at this point, it's also helpful to make extremely clear that has nothing to do with saying that miracles stopped or that we shouldn't pray for people to be healed um, miraculously. That's not to say that, listen, if I go fly over to a nation that doesn't speak English, God is more than welcome, if he so pleases, to suddenly give me the gift of tongues where I can speak their language. yes, And they can hear the mighty works of God explained in their own language miraculously. It doesn't mean that God can't give me a dream tonight that makes sense of a huge decision, you know? And that I take that very dream, you know, of like, whatever, yeah. go get your PhD. Something that's not gonna happen. Go get your PhD, right? And I take that and I use wise counsel and all of it comes together to say, this seems like a wise decision, Yeah, right? It's not to say that he can't do those things. We're just simply saying, the wildness of that era seems to have closed out. Yeah, That was very long-winded of trying to- Yes, no, exactly,
1: I again, the, the gift itself given, seemed, there, there seems to be more, uh, this is that, this is like that. So in this generation, our, we're looking at that era of redemptive history and that inscripturation process of the, the prophets and the apostles. And we're saying, we look at that and we look at our gifts and we say, they're like that, but they're not that. And that's why we can say, God heals, God does miracles, God works incredibly, deeply personal in your life. Um, now, is there a gift of healing on demand? Is there a gift of miracles given to people on demand? Is there uh, extra revelatory gifts to assist, the co- a continuing revelatory divine word from God, revelation from God, to assist and help the scriptures? that part um i'm not convinced mm-hmm. absolutely not convinced
0: i think i think it's helpful to hear say that um and then i'm going to ask you to speak to maybe some of the uh i want you to very quickly for the time let's try to end this thing yeah. i want you to very quickly explain how can someone maybe identify a spiritual gift but then also maybe say, Hey, one of the two, what are, what's a weakness in our camp regarding this whole topic? What's a weakness that we have? Um, I can't remember what I was going to say before that, but I think what I was going to say was this, um, regarding spiritual gifts. One of the questions we gave you and drew was what are the, some of the weaknesses, dangers in your own world? Yeah. Um, I, I, so I'll, I'll speak to the charismatic world cause I've been in it and then you speak to ours. Yeah. But, um, I think one of the dangers in the charismatic world that I've seen, I experienced it in my own life, um, is that there can sometimes be a disconnect, I think, between what they maybe believe and versus how they lead their church. Uh, and and this is kind of what I mean. Um, I think that that sometimes they maybe be very reasonable and level headed regarding the regarding these things, like spiritual gifts and and even the gift of miracles. Like they believe you can actually have that gift. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean someone's gonna be healed every time you pray for them, mm-hmm. but it does mean you might see that more. Yeah. Um listen, I can have great common ground with you there. You know, I told you last night that it's like if I ever come down with a serious disease you know, and, and, and I've got Jeff and Drew Stedman from Antioch in front of me and Jeff's like, Hey, I can pray for you. Your friends can pray for you. We can also bring the elders of the church to anoint you with oil and pray for you. Like it talks about in James, I'm going to go bring it on. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you're not going to say, and also there's this guy, Chad with the gift of healing. Um, Drew may say, Hey, we'll do all of that. And also there's this guy, Chad, and we think he has the gift of, of miracles and healing. You know what I'm going to tell Drew? I'm not going to go, well, <laughs> you know, I don't believe in the gift. You know what? I'm going to say, hey, bring, bring Chad. Bring Chad. You know what yes. I mean? Drew, bring your elders, bring your friends, and also make sure Chad is in tow. Yes. Because, hey, you know? Right. And my point there is, it's like, it's not scary. Just because they believe in the gift of miracles doesn't yeah. make scary. Now, where I think it can go off the rails sometimes, is particularly with young people, maybe who don't have a background in it. And sometimes leading out, I think that the charismatic world is so... Desperate to move people from the like, no, God doesn't perform miracles anymore, to the camp of like, no, He can still do that. That mm-hmm. sometimes route ra- they skip the reasonable part, they skip the Bible study part, they skip the like, hey, we'll be patient with you as you think this through. Yeah, and they kind of just get you to the point of like, God, you think God can perform miracles, right? And it's like, well, yeah, I, I do believe He can. It's like, okay, well, you just need what you need to do is not think about this right now. You need to take a step of faith. And sometimes that step of faith is like, you know, God can raise the dead, right? It's like, yeah, he can. So it's like, all right, well, don't be afraid to pray, for God to raise someone from the dead. Mm -hmm. You know, and you can imagine a wild, young 18-year-old talking to a widow being like, don't worry. Like, I just learned that God may raise Tom back from the dead. You know, you might get your husband back, right? And you have a dumpster fire. So I think the well-intentioned charismatic world that's like, can be very reasonable. Yeah. The way they can lead sometimes is like, we've got to just get you practicing it, right? And this is where you hear about, and I've even been taught, even with the gift of tongues, like just say a syllable, just say a, this one little syllable over and over and over again. And you might like somehow start speaking in tongues yeah. and it's so unbiblical. Yeah, it's, it's like, let's not think about it, just do it. Yeah. And then you get a bunch of 18, 19 year olds, or it's kind of like our whole Calvinism cage phase. Yeah. You get someone who goes Calvinism mm-hmm. and they just like want to burn everything to the ground. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're like, you, dude, calm down. Yeah. It's kind of the same. It's like, yes, okay, you got that God can perform miracles. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. Don't go try to find a bunch of people who just lost their spouse because you want to test the waters. Yeah. Relax. That's what I, and I heard that from Drew's teaching from front to back. Reasonable, level-headed. This is about Jesus. This is about loving people. But I do think that's one of the dangers sometimes. Yeah. All right. I picked on them. You pick on us. Yeah.
1: So our tradition, it goes to that relationship between the mind and the heart. There tends to be two camps. You have the, you know, camp ones, the intellectual camp. That's the truth experts. Get it right. Uh, The life of the mind, knowing God's about doctrine and thinking and, Uh, reasoning, uh, objective truth, and then you have uh, the mystics, right? The experience experts, get it felt, the life of the heart, knowing God's about personal experiences and contemplative spirituality and the spiritual disciplines and uh, some way connecting, activating the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, And so the weakness, uh, we believe there's a third camp. But the weakness in the Reformed tradition is that intellectual camp. Uh, We can uh, turn, divide the head and the heart and feed the mind and starve the heart and thereby produce a malnourishment in a personal Christian life and in worship and in our teaching, uh, just even the manner in which we teach. Uh, And we can also, ministry becomes info ministry when this happens. It's just a transfer of information. So ministry becomes informative, not transformative. Uh, and that's, that's huge. And that's why there, you could have so much uh, in our tradition can be more about lecture um, and education uh, and catechizing, which is all great again, because we're going to say there's, there's a third camp. Uh, which is called the intelligent mystic, which actually comes from a Scottish Presbyterian named John Murray. So that's Mm. not something I made up. Mm. That's our tradition where he calls this, we should be intelligent mystics. In other words, uh, we should have clarity in our mind and realness in our heart. The Puritans said light and heat. You should have light in your mind and heat in your heart. And all the giants in our tradition believe that. And that's so we would say stuff around here is that you're a truth expert, you're a, and a heart expert, experience expert. Let's experience Jesus and his salvation, mm-hmm. right, mystical, with the Bible, intelligent by faith, which brings them both together. So uh, our tradition, the downfall, the danger, uh, the weakness, is going into the intelligent camp, um, and getting landlocked in there and almost becoming like that bodybuilder with no legs, really big up top in the head and you have no lower body.
0: Mm-hmm. Last thing I'll say, and then we'll wrap this up. How do you know, um, how do you know what your spiritual gift or uh, gifts are? Both you and drew basically said the same thing. I think it's very helpful. Uh, You can ask other people. You can even just reflect on what if people really affirmed you in, Hey man, when you teach uh, the Bible, it's just so clear. It just makes so much sense to me. You know, you make sense of it. Okay. Maybe I've got this kind of skill and gift in teaching, Mm -hmm. man, you are such an encourager. Like you just, you just naturally encourage people and bless people with your words and things like that. Um, Which, by the way, I don't um, think—I haven't looked into this uh, because I didn't have to teach this night uh, super specific. But um, I don't think that necessarily the spiritual gift lists in the Bible are exhaustive either. I don't think the point is to go, here's— these are the ones and these are the only ones
1: it's not taking an enneagram test yes people treat it's almost like you do these gift inventories from you know what first corinthians 12 romans 12 and ephesians 4 and they become these inventories yes
0: let's take the test yeah it's not how it works so so don't think that don't think like oh this is the exhaustive list and i have to pinpoint one of these you can ask people, you can th- reflect on what people have affirmed you and what do you enjoy doing? What do you kind of aspire to do regarding serving the church, things yeah. like that, and and get out there and start serving and start helping and start loving people uh, for their sake, for God's glory. And, and I think you're just going to stumble into like, this seems to be my lane. Seems yeah. to be what I'm good at. People affirm it. People ask me to do it. Um, I enjoy doing it a lot of times. Sometimes I don't, but yeah. you know, that's life. Um, and you'll probably stumble into, you know, operating in your gift. Maybe you don't even have a name for it. You know, you're just like, this seems to be how God's moving through me. Absolutely.
1: I mean, I, I mentioned even last night, I mean, if you were to take all, uh, my town that I grew up in and, and they, you know, if you just took a poll, okay, what, you know, what's, what's Jeff Hatton going to be when he grows up? Nobody, nobody would have predicted. Nobody anticipated what I'm doing right now. It wasn't on their radar, wasn't on my radar, but then when I became a Christian, um, it became a little more noticeable. I didn't notice it, but I would just start doing things, got involved in ministry, just started volunteering, got involved in campus ministry, and and you start getting, oh, you start having desires, and you start, oh, I really like doing this, and I really enjoy like spending a little more concentrated, even extra time thinking about this particular aspect of teaching or communicating. And then when people say, hey, man, uh, you, need to, you need to do more of this. Mm-hmm. That's how the church works. And I think that that's actually a healthier... I think Drew even said it. What do he say? You worry about the dude that's always like, give me the microphone, yeah, right? right. Um, that the the gifts seem to cluster around word and deed. Yeah, And so, you know, there's being spoken, they, they cluster around the way the gospel bears fruit in our life. So it would make sense. Mm-hmm. It would make sense that we're spoken back to life again, and we're loved, relationally loved back to life mm-hmm. again. So there would be gifts that surround that. And it also kind of mirrors and reflects uh, you know, the gifts that are highly concentrated in a more full-time way, mm-hmm. like church leadership those gifts are the same. They're just a little more concentrated and they're a little more singled out in the person and they have a sense of call, uh, elder, deacon, elders, usually word oriented, deacons, usually deed oriented, uh, how the gospel works, grows, produces fruit in our lives.
0: So get out there, serve, help people, love people. Don't worry about identifying something first. Just love the people around you, especially in the church, uh, for, for their good God's glory. And, uh, and get after it. Make friends, have gospel conversations, watch what happens.